Hey everyone, it's GOP Josh here, and today I had the honor of sitting down with Senate candidate Mark Pukita here in Ohio for an exclusive hour-long interview here on the Conservative Crusader. So make sure you stay tuned for the entire hour. We talk about a lot of important issues that face the state of Ohio, a lot about his campaign, why he's running as a citizen candidate, and much more. So make sure you tune in and check me out on social medias, uh, GOPJosh.com to find everything. And check his website out at mark4ohio.com or pukitaforsenate2022.com. Now, on to the interview. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, joining me today is a very special guest. He is an IT executive who has focused on growing jobs in Ohio and is now a citizen candidate running on the Republican ticket for U.S. Senate in Ohio. Mr. Mark Pukita, thanks for joining me today. Josh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's truly an honor. And so I'm just going to open the floor to you to take some time to explain your campaign and why the people of Ohio should put their trust in you to represent them in the Senate. So I'm a citizen candidate, as you said. I've never run for office before. Like many people, um, I didn't get involved in politics until I reached a boiling point, and that was the end of 2019. I didn't think Rob Portman was doing a good job for us. I had sold a company I had built. I literally lived the American dream myself, coming from a lower middle class family. I had recently had, I had about a year and a half old grandson, and I looked at that grandson as I was selling my business and realized I lived the American dream, and I thought, he's not going to have the same opportunity I did to live the American dream. Uh, and that angered me. And rather than continue to you know, yell at the TV every night and post borderline inappropriate stuff on social media, I decided to run to primary Rob Portman, a sitting U.S. senator, because I could find nobody else to do it. Uh, politicians said it would be suicide for a career politician to primary a sitting U.S. senator with as much money and as much clout as Rob Portman had. And what really bothered me about that is everybody said a career politician. So in other words, the people that I was going to, their attitude was they, they were career politicians. It was their career. And I think we need less career politicians. We need more citizen candidates, people like you or I, um, who run for office, have life experience and represent the people like I believe it used to be when 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 the founding fathers started. Now people will talk about how long Washington was was in office and all the rest, but they really wanted to serve, not prosper. Right now, politics is an industry, and it's not a very uh, clean industry. It's incredibly corrupt, and so I decided to run, and it's been an incredible experience. Um, some of it fabulous in terms of meeting people. Some of it disheartening in terms of experiencing firsthand the corruption that is in the process. And when I use the word corruption, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about dishonesty of people who want us to trust them, their dishonesty with us in every step of the political process. And we can talk more about that, but that's why I decided to run. Um, and, uh, as I said, I'm a citizen candidate. I've never run for office before. So this is a moonshot. But my, initially, my goal was to give Rob, Rob Portman a run for his money and at least make him earn 
a re-election as opposed to be unopposed in the primary. But once I got into this and I realized how much corruption there is, I'm also uh, doing what I can to expose that corruption and educate Ohioans and Ohio voters about just how bad it is. Well, I appreciate that introduction. You, you highlighted a lot of what I want to go over today. Uh, I want to start with the Rob Portman question because I did write one about that is you declared against Rob Portman in 2019, as you mentioned. Why did you declare so early, which you kind of already went over? And do you believe your candidacy contributed to his decision to retire? Uh, I, I, I do not have the hubris to believe that I had any impact on his decision to retire. I believe that he chose not to uh, run for reelection because the polls showed that he was not going to get reelected. And if I were being cynical, and I am, he didn't want a loss. He didn't want an L on his resume as he now goes out and tries to be a pundit or a lobbyist or whatever he does. I mean, I guarantee he's going to show back up and it's going to be in an area where he'll make more money without that L on his record than he would with it. Um, and I, I decided to get in of October, 2019, just because I could, I decided I was going to do it. I would need a lot of ramp up time to understand the process. I mean, it took me weeks to, to understand the entire process of getting registered, getting a committee together, getting the company formed, getting an EIN from the federal government, registering with the secretary of state, et cetera. I mean, I've done that before in business formations, but I've never done it with a political organization. So there was a lot of getting up the curve, getting web access websites, getting a donation site set up, getting it integrated with software that automatically does the filing with the FEC. So I knew I was going to have that learning curve and I knew I wasn't going to be able to do much until after the November election mm -hmm. in 2020. And then it became because of the 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 controversies and the corruption surrounding that it became a little longer so we really got active maybe march april of 2021 right i appreciate that and now i'm going to go back because i'm kind of circling all around on my questions because you mentioned things that i wanted to bring up uh, you released a 21 point platform for your campaign uh, do yep. you do you have like a reader's digest version you can uh give us here on the show well, the Reader's Digest version is if you go out to the website, there is this thing we call the Disrupt Agenda, mm -hmm. um, and it's got seven points on it. Uh, it, it, the Disrupt is the acronym for those seven points, but let, let me just go through them quickly if I can, can remember them from heart. <laughs> uh, one is uh, protect the country, defend the country from enemies, foreign and domestic. That's pretty straightforward. Um, we've got to fix education. We've got to restore and protect constitutional rights. We need to restore faith in our elections and election integrity. We need to uh, shrink the size of the federal government and reduce the, the um uh, dependence on entitlement programs to free people from dependence on the government. And then probably most importantly, I believe we need to be thinking America first and Ohio first in everything we do. So my website is mark the number four Ohio.com. That's mark the number four Ohio.com. People can go backslash policy and go see that policy guide. 
it's 21 points and it is fairly detailed in terms of what my beliefs are in terms of what we need to do to turn the country around. Uh, and those 21 points cover just about everything that conservatives was, would want to see handled, I believe, by a senator. Now, that's not a contract between me and Ohioans because I'm only one of 100, but it's a commitment that that's the way I think, that's the way I act, that's the way I believe, that's the way I'll negotiate, that's the way I'll debate, that's the way I'll vote. And most importantly, that is the way I will legislate or vote on legislation. So I, I highly encourage people to go look at that 21-point plan. Here's what I hear from most people. I agree with it all, or I agree with more than 90% of it, because it's just common sense, America first thinking. And you'll see a lot of it is the policies that Donald Trump embraced. I embrace virtually all of Donald Trump's policies, except, and this was not his responsibility, but at the same time, I think he could have been a little more vocal about it. We spend too much money. We're printing money like Venezuela, and we're seeing the impact of that right now with inflation, which is just like a tax. More importantly, it's a regressive tax. Inflation hurts those people at the lower end of the financial spectrum, as opposed to the higher end. And so it's just it's robbing people right now because of the mismanagement of our economy by the Biden administration. And I appreciate that. Um, I, I mentioned you mentioned how you're a conservative candidate, how people agree with your pl your platform, but you're not very well known or appearing in some of the polling that I'm reading. How will you begin to appear in this crowded field and gain ground this primary before the May election? So you raise a really interesting point there. My opponents in this race don't put me on their polls. And I believe it's intentional because there are a lot of people, as you know, I mean, you're a, you're pretty uh, astute in terms of politics. I appreciate that. There, there, are, there are many people who only want to back a winner. In other words, it's more like they're picking a sports team than a political candidate to go re representative to go represent them. They want to back a winner. So they've got to see that the person they're voting for has some potential to win, that they're not, you know, in their terms, wasting their vote. So I believe what I, I am so different than the other. Um, now, I guess it's five candidates because Bernie Moreno dropped out. I'm so different from them in terms of my willingness to call out corruption and fight or my willingness to call out Mike DeWine for being the tyrant and the, the, the incompetent that he is in terms of running the state. And I'm the only person who's willing to say that Rob Portman did a bad job for Ohio and Ohioans. I believe that I'm the only fighter because I will say those things and other people won't say them. Why won't they say them? Well, I would say that they're either afraid of those people or they approve of the job those people are doing. I do not. And, and I'm a business person and I'm pragmatic and I'm just looking at the numbers and I'm looking at the data. I'm looking what, at what people tell me in 88 counties and they're telling me they've had enough. They don't like the corruption, especially in the Ohio Republican Party. They don't like what Mike DeWine did, especially with the lockdowns and, and, and playing kitty by the door with vaccines and vaccine mandates and uh, uh, House Bill 248. He, he literally quashed that because he's got such a hold on our, our legislature, the Republican caucus and our legislature. 
and then Rob, you know, not being willing to talk about Rob Portman. So that they, I think what, if they were to put me on a poll and I was to show up anywhere, but I know I'm polling, I was polling ahead of Moreno and I know I'm polling ahead of, of Matt Dolan. Okay. If I were to show up there, people would say, holy cow, this Paquita guy's got a chance. And so they won't put me on their polls. I haven't been on a single poll. Someone asked me this morning on my team, do you think it's intentional? And I'm like, heck yeah, it's intentional. There's no way because they, they don't believe that, you know, they, they don't want to take that chance. I understand they're paying for the polls. They're, they can do whatever they want. So we're releasing some commercials, some, some internet commercials and things like that. We're doing radio ads around the state. We did the big markets already. Maybe you heard some of them. I have. We're doing the small markets next. So we'll be launching in places like Finley, uh, Zanesville, Chillicothe, Marietta, uh, and some of the smaller markets to uh, Kent to um, begin to infiltrate, if you will. I won't say saturate because we don't have the money to do that, but at least get our message out to those areas. And they're provocative and they're humorous and they're a lot less expensive than doing TV ads, which I'm running a very kind of, let's put it frugal, what I call a financially asymmetrical campaign. We're not out raising money the way the others are. I'm funding this myself. And I said, we're not competing on money. We're going to compete on hard work, policy, and messaging. And I think we're, we're doing okay. Is, are we still, is this still a moonshot? Absolutely. Is it still low probability that I win this thing, you know, based on uh, past experience? Sure. But insiders in DC who have done a lot of politicking and political consultant have said, listen, Mark, the reason we're interested in keeping track on what's going on here is because if there's any year a moonshot candidate can win, it's 2022. Look at what happened with Joseph Durin in New Jersey, right? The, the guy spent f- about $5,000 and he got elected and he beat the sitting president of the New Jersey Senate, leader of the New Jersey Senate. That's amazing. And that was hard work. He knocked on every door in his district. And those are not small districts. Every door. Good for him. Yeah, we, we followed that here on the show, and I, I was talking about how this is a, a proving to be a red wave in 2022, and I didn't even think about it the way you did with moonshot candidates, the word you used, uh, winning in these districts. And I, I did want to ask about your uh, advertisement, but you already have, have, have covered that, so I'm not going to ask about that now. I was going to ask, I saw your advertisement for your truth bomb about how you're starting TV commercials now. I was going to ask, why did you wait so late to start TV commercials? Because I've seen Moreno and uh, Gibbons ads every day watching Jeopardy, so it just... I was going to ask that, but you kind of already went over that unless you want to answer that. Well, well, we're not doing TV commercials. We're doing video ads, but they'll be out on social media and elsewhere. We we do not have the money, nor do we want to spend the money to do ads, TV ads. We've got to get the money out of politics, and I'd be a hypocrite to be running millions of dollars of ads and say we've got to get the money out of politics. So I'm trying to show people that with... um, a lot of drive, a lot of work, uh, a little bit of money, a lot of creativity, and a lot of passion and authenticity, you can prevail over people who have none of that but have money. Uh, But as I said, it's a grind. It's an uphill battle. We need all the volunteers we can get. So if people see this and they want to volunteer, go to our website. You can sign up. 
or you can just send me an email or or send me a text. Let me let me give you my email. My email is Mark with a K, M-A-R-K at Mark the number four Ohio.com. That's Mark at Mark the number four Ohio.com. And my cell number is 614-499-0599. Once again, that's 614-499-0599. If you want to volunteer, you want to get involved, you can contact me that way or you can fill out a form on our website. I appreciate that. And that goes along with uh, my next question being one of the most transparent candidates in the country. I don't think I've seen another candidate giving out their cell number to just anyone who who listens. And that's very um, open is a word for that. I was going to ask about your series, the Mark Paquita's Truth Bombs. Uh, Why did you create this series? And will it continue past the election? It will certainly continue past the election. I've already told people and I'm warning people who think that we're just going to go away after the election, who are not happy with what we're doing in terms of exposing Ohio Republican Party corruption. I'm not going away. Win, lose or draw. They will continue to see see me and see more of me on those topics because we will be doing something. I don't want to pre-announce too much, but regardless of, as I said, win, lose or draw, we'll we'll we will be doing something that will help organize Ohioans to take back the state from corrupt politicians. Well, I appreciate that. And um, you're running as a Republican, but you seem to have a major grievance with the Ohio Republican Party. And you even encouraged other citizen candidates to run for state central committee. I originally wrote this question before the filing deadline, but you were giving out $250 to anyone who would sign your pledge. Uh, What is this grievance with the party and why are you encouraging more citizen candidates to run? So the... The Ohio Republican Party, I I have found since I've gotten into this race, is corrupt from top to bottom and left to right. It needs an absolute regime change, a house clean. I go to events and I say to, you know, these are Republicans, conservative Republicans sitting in the audience. I was in an event in Magnolia with about 329 people, I think, right? And I got up and I said, raise your hand if you're aware that there is a 2 million, now we find it's closer to 3 million or might be over 3 million accounting inconsistency within the books of the Ohio Republican Party and that Bob Paducek, the chairman, and Dave Johnson, the treasurer, are fighting an outside audit by a certified public accounting firm, Hammer and Tong, right? And that the bylaws of the Ohio Republican Party call for a financial review every year and there hasn't been one done in 16 to 17 years. I say, raise your hand there. I would say if it was 15% of the people, that would have been a lot. And a few of the people or a number of the people that had their hand up, I recognized from other events where we had talked about it. People are not aware of this, Josh. And it's the way the Ohio Republican Party wants it. The Ohio Republican Party is essentially run by Mike DeWine. Everybody kowtows to him. And they do everything they can to support him and shut out anybody that has any view that differs from Mike DeWine's. And so we're calling it out and exposing it. And we need to take our party back by taking back the central committee seats of our districts. There are 33 Senate districts in Ohio. Each Senate district is represented by one male and one female on the state central committee of the Ohio Republican Party. And we want to take that back. Now, here's the other thing that's disturbing to me. uh, How few people understand how the Republican Party is organized, that there are county GOP organizations 
with representatives from every precinct in the county. And then there's the state organization with representation from every Ohio Senate district in the state. And most people don't understand how the party is structured and that we are electing these people. Every one of these people is elected. Every precinct person and every representative to state central committee is elected. And I guarantee people have voted those races off a slate card and had no idea what they were voting for. So we're trying, and this is an education job that the party should be doing. And the party doesn't want to do it because what it means is it would open up the party to citizens and they don't want that. They want to keep hold of the party. They want it to be top down, hierarchical. They want to shove candidates down our throat with primary endorsements And it's just wrong, Josh. And we're going to call it out and try to stop it. I hope we're successful. We may not be, but I have told people I have found the calling for the third part of my life. And that is going to be to call out this corruption and continue to to identify it, call it out, publicize it and eradicate it if we can. And I appreciate that. I I, I don't like corruption, so I really appreciate you going in and who does like corruption? The only people that like corruption are the people that are doing the corruption. And that's a very small percentage of our society. And they need, they rather than leading a party, they need to be, you know, that some of them should be in jail. All right. It's that bad. Uh, but rather than leading a party, they should be shunned. Okay. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate everything you're doing to take back our party. Um, people say they want a third party. I think the Republican Party just needs reform, like you've been saying, exactly. and um, taking yeah. that party back to the to the, to the citizens' yeah. party. Yeah, and we've got to do it. It's like rebuilding an airplane while you're flying, right? Because we've got elections. We've got political activity that has to go on, but we've got to improve it. We've got to, we've got to rebuild that airplane that is the Ohio Republican Party while we're flying it. And that's tricky business. That's hard. That's difficult. You run into a lot of roadblocks because that 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 airplane is flying. There are a lot of people who will say, well, we can't do that. And there are people criticizing me saying, well, you're just really a Democrat and you're trying to damage the party. Listen, they've damaged the party. The the party is in a shambles right now. We need to pull it back together. We need to clean it up. As I like to say, we need to clean up our house before we go demolish theirs. In other words, we need to clean up the Ohio Republican Party before we go demolish the Democrats. And, and so that's what we're doing. I really appreciate that. And this is the, the last question about the campaign, and then we're going to move more to current issues. Okay. Uh, do you believe you are the best candidate to beat Tim Ryan or Morgan Harper in November? And if so, why? I do, right? Because there, for, 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 for a number of reasons, but the biggest reason is I'm a citizen candidate. I've never run for office before. So I've got no, none of that career politician baggage. Number two, I'm a straight shooter. When people meet me, they understand I'm authentic. I'm real. I'm a no BS kind of guy. What you see is what you get. Thirdly, I am I believe we live in the best country in the world. I believe we live in the best state in the nation. And I also believe we're part of the best party in the country. But all three of those have been hijacked from us. And I believe that there are Democrats out there that feel the same way, crossover voters that feel the same way. They're not happy with Joe Biden. We've seen his favorable unfavorables. They're terrible. 
right? They're not happy with Mike DeWine. We just saw his favorable unfavorables over the weekend. They're awful, right? And if you did a if you did a similar poll on the Ohio Republican Party and probably the Ohio Democrat Democratic Party, you'd find the same things. So, you know, unlike a Tim Ryan, I haven't been in office forever and I haven't sat around hugging Michael Avenatti. Now, Morgan Harper's really interesting, right? She, she's interesting. I don't know a ton about her, but man, I thought she slaughtered Josh Mandel in that debate that, that they did, or at least she more than held her own. So I'd see her as a formidable candidate. Uh, but but in terms of the other candidates, I none of so so here's what I'm worried about, Josh. The biggest thing I'm worried about is I win the primary and on day one, Tim Ryan comes out and says, Mark, you are part of one of the probably inarguably the most corrupt state GOP organization in the country, the Ohio Republican Party. And what I need to be able, what, what I think the, the prevailing candidate would need to say is the Ohio Republican Party was corrupt. I've been calling it out for, for a year or a year and a half, and we've been doing things to fix it. I will go to Washington and fix the corruption there the same way we're fixing corruption in the Ohio Republican Party right now. That's why I think I'm electable and the others aren't. Look at Jane Timken. She presided over the cover-up. This stuff started with Matt Borges, was covered up. She came in as the, the, the chairman of the Ohio Republican Party and covered it up and lied about it for her entire reign there. And now Bob Paduchik is doing the same thing. Unfortunately, the genie is now out of the bottle. People understand this now. It's in the news. It, it was on TV uh, last week, last Thursday. You probably saw that. Th th there is no putting this back. The only, the only alternative is to fix it. And I'm the only one that's been calling it out. No other U U.S. Senate candidate has said a word about this. And so that's why I believe I'm the most electable. And I appreciate that, and I do agree. I saw the the segment you were talking about with the corruption, and it blew my mind, to be completely honest. Yep. So I appreciate I've all that. Seen, I've seen the, the numbers, right? I ran a company. My company was audited every year. It grew to $100 million in annual revenue. We had 800 employees when I sold it to my two key managers. We employed thousands of people over 20-plus years. I employed I, – I created more than 2,000 jobs for Ohio. I created more jobs than all of my U.S. Senate candidate competitors combined. And that included Bernie Moreno when he was running. Um, so I, I know how to, to create jobs as well. Um, we, we, we just need to get back to um, common sense government is what we need to get back to. All right, I appreciate that. And with common sense government, we have these vaccine mandates uh, to go out of the country and everything. And I do want to ask you about the Freedom Convoy protests in Canada that I'm sure you've seen everything yep. going on with those. Do you think a similar protest needs to come to, to the United States? Yes, and I'm surprised we haven't had one already. So let me say this so everybody understands. In addition to calling out ORP corruption, calling out Mike DeWine and basically saying that Rob Portman wasn't a statesman, but a turncoat and a sellout, I have I am not vaxxed and I'm not getting vaxxed. And I am big on medical freedom and the sovereignty of one's body 
a right granted to us by God to be sovereigns over our own body. And it's the reason he gave us free will and gave that to no other animal, let's say, on the face of the earth. Right. So we, we have the, the free will and the connection with God to be able to make good decisions for ourselves and not be told what to do. So I'm absolutely against vaccine mandates and all the rest. Our state legislature, as as we have got a Republican supermajority in Ohio and a Republican governor, and they have buried House Bill 248. They should be ashamed of themselves. Every one of those people needs to be primaried when they come up for re-election, which means all of the House this year and 17 of our senators, they should be primaried. And it'll be interesting to see how many of them get a primary challenge, but I think it will be very few, unfortunately. Unfortunately, if you look at what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida with less of a supermajority than Mike DeWine has in Ohio, we have a failed Republican state government, absolutely failed. And then add on top of that, losing now, I think we're up to $4 billion of CARES money through unemployment fraud, and nothing is being said about it. Mike DeWine has lost that. He is responsible for that department, the Ohio Department of Jobs and Family Services. It's stunning to me that insider elite, self-anointed elite Republicans within the party would say that Mike DeWine deserves to be reelected. In my mind, he, he deserves, because of House Bill 6 and First Energy, more so to be investigated than he does reelected. I appreciate that, and I haven't read it. And I, I've heard about the House Bill 6, obviously. I don't know how you couldn't. I haven't fully read that, so I'm not going to comment on that yet. But I know if what's being said is true, it's very corrupt, and there needs to be major reforms of the bill and everything like that. Um, so what do you think is the number one issue... Uh, plaguing Ohio and the nation right now? Corruption in government. There was a survey recently done of all Ohio and all Michigan voters across all Ohio and Michigan voters. So it was a nonpartisan um, issues based uh, a poll that was done, survey that was done. Uh, and it was done by POGO. I forget what that was. Uh, a project on government oversight, I believe. Uh, you can go out and find it on the web. It's easy. Just type in Pogo and type in Ohio, Michigan corruption. It'll come up. The number one issue was corruption in government. People are sick of it. It was ahead of health care and all the other things. So so it is by far the number one issue. People have said to me, especially people close to the Republican Party in Ohio. Why do you talk about corruption so much? It's bad for the party. Uh, well, it's the number one issue with voters. If you're not smart enough to be addressing the number one issue with voters, you probably don't deserve their vote. And then they always ask, well, what's number two and number three? And it's kind of a toss up. It's election integrity and healthcare freedom. People don't want to have the mandate of a jab or vaccine passport. They don't want to lose their job or insurance or whatever for, for not being jabbed. And then election integrity. We've got a, a Secretary of State, who believes we have no meaningful voter fraud in Ohio, yet he won't have a, a forensic audit done and a recount done, even though he tells us that every vote in Ohio is on paper. We, we are just being lied to, Josh. I, I feel so sorry for young adults like you 
you are literally growing up in an environment where everybody and everything is a liar or a lie. And we've just got to get back to objective truth. If, if they can convince us that there are more than two sexes, we're doomed. I completely agree. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the Dr. Phil segment with Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire where he went on and they couldn't explain what a woman was. He asked the definition of a woman. Well, I can't identify what a woman is or I can't tell you what a woman is because I don't identify as a woman. But what do they identify as a woman? Well, what it was it was hilarious right. and it scares me. Walsh. Yeah. Um he's he's very smart and he's very witty. I, I agree in it. It scares me that that's the future that we're going into, and that's why I've been trying to highlight candidates who are more citizen candidates focusing on this kind of issues here on the show. So Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer has announced his retirement, and Biden has a promise to appoint a black woman to the seat without mentioning qualifications. Uh, this is That's just kind of an overview of the question. What are the most important qualifications to you when voting for a SCOTUS justice or voting to appoint a SCOTUS justice? Past opinions. Period past opinions they should have a body of work that takes hours and hours and hours to get through if you go through it you should be able to see how good a jurist they are whether they're unbiased or whether they're trying to legislate from the bench that's pretty much it so in business and i've, I've been a business person the highest predictor the most accurate predictor of future performance is past performance we need to be looking at the past performance of these, these judges almost entirely. Now, sure, you need to look at, you know, character, moral, ethics, you know, what they've said, social media, all the regular kind of stuff. But um, it's their past uh, opinions and past writings. And you, sh you should be able to get a pretty good feel for uh, what they stand for and how they will... Uh, how they will uh, adjudicate issues uh, in front of the court. Well, I, I completely agree. I don't care if they're a woman or a man or if they're black or white. I just want them to be a qualified justice of the court. And none of that matters to, to me. That, yeah, to say that up, the, that up front is discriminatory and racist. Let's just call it for what it is. It's discriminatory and racist, and we've got to stop this stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I completely agree. So some of, the, some of the next questions, including this one, are answered in your policy guide, but I want to bring them up due to the importance. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current state of immigration in our country, and do you think the U.S. should put a temporary immigration moratorium in place? Here's what I'd say. If you look at that policy guide, it says a few things. One, finish the freaking wall. We need to finish the wall. We need to give the Border Patrol the support, the tools, and the money to do their job. My opponents say we need to send our military to the border. That's nonsense, okay? A military is designed to kill people. That should be the only, that should be the only objective of a military, to, to kill people, to be lethal. The Border Patrol, on the other hand, is a law enforcement agency. And what we're talking about here is apprehending people who are breaking our law. The first thing they do when they enter the country is they break our law. They need to be apprehended and incarcerated until due process is, is served to them or given to them. That's what we need to do. Now, what people don't seem to remember is that Donald Trump, with that strategy, working on the wall and giving the Border Patrol the ability to do their job, had illegal border crossings down to around 16,000 people a month. 
we're now well over 200,000 people a month. This has nothing to do with the capability of the Border Patrol. This has nothing to do with capability and everything to do with desire and commitment to get the, the job done. And Joe Biden doesn't want to get the job done because illegal immigrants are the replacement strategy for the Democrats who are hemorrhaging uh, voters because of their incompetency. So they are trying to replace them. That's all that this is. Let's just cut to the chase on this. The other thing we need to do is we need to use pressure, not our troops and not our money, but we need to use pressure to clean up Latin American governments that are corrupt and fraudulent and treat their people poorly, because that's the root cause. If you could make a good living and lead a good life and be free in those countries, why would you need to come to the United States? So we need to be working on the, that root cause problem. And then we need to go to a more merit-based immigration um, strategy in terms of who we let in and who we don't. For example, we should be bringing in the best and the brightest from overseas. And right now, there are probably a, a lot of best and brightest in Australia locked down who could literally be claiming asylum from that tyranny right now. They're literally locked in cages like rats because of their government just out of control on this whole COVID thing. So why not be bringing the best and brightest from Australia here and giving them a quick pathway to citizenship if they want it, or at least permanent residence status? How about the Taiwanese? How about a, a trigger that says if Hong Kong were to invade or take over Taiwan, that they automatically got, you know, visa status here in the United States? We, we've got to get smarter. We need to use immigration as a tool to improve our country, right? Not, not as a political weapon, but as a tool. And, uh, it, that goes along with education. You know, our kids are being used as pawns. We need, to, we need to focus on making America better by making our kids smarter and better and more well-educated. And we need to make America better and think America first by having an immigration policy that does that. All right. I, I, I agree with that, especially with the America first part about the immigration process and, and bringing up Australia. Just I don't have a question about that, but it just I feel so bad for the people over there because of their – they're, they're terrible government, and I don't know what really we can do without starting a war. Yeah, but. we need to pray for them hard. Absolutely. Uh, so kind of with the lockdowns and the trucker uh, convoy that we've talked about, we have seen a huge supply chain crisis under the Biden administration. Uh, what is your plan to combat this in the Senate and get our supply chain functioning again? Well, that that problem is entirely uh, self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted because of stupid lockdowns, outrageous testing, ridiculous testing regimes, ridiculous quarantining, ridiculous vax passports. These, this is all self-inflicted. Get rid of all of that. We need to get rid of all of that and get our supply chain repaired. In addition to that, we need to bring manufacturing back to the United States. We, this is a crisis, okay? Chips, pharmaceuticals, batteries, rare earth minerals. You can go down the list of things that China has us 
I mean, they, they, they could choke us if they just decided to stop sending us stuff, Josh, they would choke us. We, we, they would either choke us or we'd be living like Venezuela where, you know, shelves were bare much like they are now in places and you had no choice in products. It's like, because there's one manufacturer that, that you might be able to, you know, buy from of a certain product. This is an absolute shame and it needs to, it needs to be fixed and it needs to be fixed fast. I'm not sure we can wait for me to be sworn in in early January of next year. We got to get on this. I mean, I go to the store, I see empty shelves. I go to the store, I can't get fresh meats. This is just absurd. We're in America. Yet yet we're we're printing money like Venezuela. We're having inflation like Venezuela. And our shelves are empty like Venezuela. I, I never would have thought I would see this in my lifetime. I have to agree, and I'm obviously not as experienced in life as you are, but just seeing this is... That's a nice way of saying I'm old. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm younger than most of the people who I think listen to the show, too, so I haven't right. seen nearly as much of the life experience as you have. Right. Um, and, and you talked about spending and everything and how prices are going up. And kind of unrelated but related at the same time is you said you, your goal is to lower spending by 1% every year. Are there any federal programs or departments you think we should abolish or, or cut down? Well, so I would love it to be more than 1% a year, mm-hmm. but I can't just go there and wave a magic wand. So a 1% proposal is something that anybody would have a hard time fighting against. Now, they will fight against it because when, it, when was the last time you really saw even a Republican fight for lowered spending? So even 1% will be hard, but... It's a target-rich environment. The Department of Education, for sure, could be cut dramatically, if not almost moved from a department into like an agency or an office somewhere else. What I've said is, I think we need to get back to health, education, and welfare. Those were once combined in one department, and it was during Jimmy Carter that uh, that um, education was split off. Uh, we need to dramatically shrink the size of the federal government. And I think that would be one way, but I think in, as a business person, I would do it this way. I would go through the entire federal government and look at every agency department and say, what are you doing of value? Prove your value to the American people. And if they prove their value, we say, great, you get to stay, but we're going to figure out whether your job should be done at the federal level or the state level. Where is it most effective and most constitutional to be done? But you're okay for today. Uh, if you're if you are not valuable, you should go immediately. Why would we continue to pour money into things that deliver no value, right? So it's just an approach of I think like someone coming into a business to turn it around, or someone who buys a business and wants to make it more efficient and profitable. They're going to look at what do we keep doing, what do we not do, and what do we do differently? And I think we need to look at the entire federal government that way. And this would include the military. We need to stop the revolving door of both generals as well as elected officials between the revolving door between the government or the armed forces and the arms manufacturers. We're probably paying at least two times what we should be paying for armaments and armed systems. And so people say, well, you know, the, 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 the 75% of the budget is made up of military and entitlements. 
uh, it's not like you can't change those and fix those and make those more efficient. It's almost like this is a problem that's too big to be fixed. There, we're Americans. There is no problem that is too big to be fixed. And the excuse it's too big is not acceptable to me. And the excuse that we've always been doing it that way is also not acceptable to me. Because if we've been doing it the wrong way and we have, we should fix that. I completely agree with everything you said. I, I want to cut spending, obviously. I think, what are we, $28 trillion in debt? Is that the right number at this point? I think we're now, I think we're now at $30 trillion and over. Okay, I so, think that's what the U.S. debt clock says. In it, fact, I know it does. Yeah, It's insane, and uh, I, I appreciate it, your plans, it'll too. Be in that, it'll be in that commercial that we got done. Uh, that'll be premier here pretty shortly within the next few days. You'll see the debt clock at thirty over thirty trillion. Wow. So um like I said, I I, I heard your ads on uh, I think it was ninety eight nine in Columbus and ever since then I've been following I, I was following before, but I've been following even closer. I've done my uh, yard sign polls to do for all those statewide races. I've seen you and I've seen Mike Gibbons and I've seen no sign of any other candidates. And so I, I think you're you're doing pretty well. I just wanted to compliment you there before we move on a little more thanks so much uh so um what are your thoughts on the ukraine versus the russia debacle uh, do you think we should get involved i do not think we should get involved i think that we have spent too much blood and treasure the blood of our young uh american fighters and our money getting involved in things that don't matter to us or are we shouldn't be involved in uh Europe needs to step up and do their bit. Um, we, we need to make them accountable for defending themselves. The day for us to be there with big bases, being their father or grandfather, it, it, we're just, it's just ridiculous, okay? This is Cold War thinking, and the Cold War has been over for, for years, for decades, right? 89, 90, but you could, you know, you could... You could say, well, we still needed to have some kind of a present there, presence there proximate to the old problem. But our biggest threat right now by far is China. We need to be getting troops out of Europe. We need to get them to stand up for themselves, stand up their military, stand up their budgets and, and, and defend themselves. Um, and we need to be moving those troops to proximate to our biggest enemy, which is China. Um, and, and forming an alliance with those people that need protection from China, whether it be Japan, <clears throat> the uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, Australia, what, whoever it might be who wants to be part of that kind of new NATO in that area, I think that's what we need to do. Taiwan, of course. Um, Singapore, I mean, we, we uh, China's our biggest threat. They, they don't even hide it in terms of their aspirations to rule the world. And we need to let them know that if they continue, uh, we're not going to put up with it. Uh, but we need people to join us. We can't be doing these things alone on a campaign where we invest all the blood and treasure and, and other people reap the benefits of that. It's just unacceptable and it's wrong. I agree. And I think we need to avoid a war as much as possible. Um, yep. I, I'm way more isolationist than I am involving in foreign affairs but if it's going to affect us we need to be in there and make sure that it's not going to affect us more worse i should say and i really don't think that ukraine or russia is who we need to be getting in a war with right now that's just my personal opinion with the landscape of what i've seen yeah uh, so then the next two questions are kind of the same question and then i have uh, a few more and then i'm i'm out of questions 
Uh, so okay. will, will you sponsor uh, legislation to ban vaccine mandates from local governments and businesses? And when elected, do you promise to defund and investigate Dr. Fauci? So the Fauci thing is easy. Yes, <laughs> that's easy. Uh, like Mike DeWine, that guy deserves to be fired and investigated, not uh, continue to have employment. The other issue, the, the mandate issue is really, I believe, constitutionally a state issue. I'd be glad to do legislation, but it would be somewhat um, counter to my wanting to get back to the Constitution. Uh, we could say that it's a First Amendment violation or something like that. There's probably a way to to shoehorn something in like that. But I think where that really needs to be handled is at the state level, Josh, um, as as much things do that are being done at the federal level today. We've had what I call 125 years or so of constitutional creep, you know, a little here and a little there. And before you know it, someone else has eaten the whole pie um, and you haven't gotten any. Uh, I think we're we're um, we're in danger of moving to this nationalist kind of government as opposed to the federalism that we've seen uh, where states the federal government only is there because the states really want it there to control the things between the states where states could get out of whack with each other or where that power consolidated is necessary with things like our military protecting the country or foreign trade deals, interstate commerce, you know, things of that nature. Um, uh, education, for example, isn't one of them. Labor shouldn't be one of them. Uh, but but there are some things the federal government, I think, is most efficient and effective at doing, and we still need to do it. But I don't think the vaccine mandate issue, I'm not sure it's at the federal government, but I'd be glad to I'd be glad to spearhead that and take it on because I, I have told people I will fight for that medical freedom thing because I am not vaxxed and I am not getting vaxxed. I've had COVID. I know I've got the antibodies. I know that protects me, you know, anywhere from three to 30 times more than someone who's got the jab and I'm good and I'm not getting jabbed. As I've said, they'll be peeling the guns out of my cold dead hands before they jab me with that stuff because I've done the research. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not, I'm, I'm just anti this vax for me. Uh, if you want to get the vax, good for you. If you want to mask up, good for you. I'm not doing it and I don't want to be compelled to do it. Just like I don't want you to be compelled to not do it. Right. I'm not vaccinated either. I fit this whole description. Uh, we had COVID just at the beginning of the year. So I think I'm fine for now, at least. And I'm not planning on getting this vaccine either. And you kind of went into the, the smaller federal government, which kind of answers my next question. But you were asked in one of the previous Senate debates, which member of Congress you would legislate like when you win. You chose Representative Thomas Massey, and you kind of already answered this. But why is this? Well, he's a constitutionalist, and I took some heat from that. People like, and I said it. I know he's not in the Senate, but, and they told you, you know, Mark's not smart enough to know he's not in the Senate. But he's a constitutionalist, and he believes in smaller government, and he's not afraid to fight for it. And he's really smart. Like he's really smart. He's MIT smart. Um, and that's why I said it. I mean, he, and I think he's got like, uh, like Jim Jordan, a very, very strong, if not a hundred percent conservative constitutional voting record. We need more people like that in Washington, DC. We need more people calling out the profligate spending and it's corrupt spending. Um, 
I've talked about the need to outlaw offshore accounts. That's the way these politicians get paid off by foreign governments. That's probably a whole other show we could do on, on, on legislating, what I call legislating trust and elected officials in Washington. Because we don't have time. We don't have time, Josh, I believe, to clean things up just through elections. We've got to have some legislation that requires people to do the right thing or they go to jail. Uh, there's got to be ramifications for bad behavior, and I don't see much of that in Washington, D.C. right now. I have to agree with you, and that kind of ends the political que- the political part of that interview. But I do want to ask about something. I don't know if you're an avid football fan or not. Uh, I, I'm I'm personally not, but I know— I like I- football. Yeah, I, I, like fo- I like college football, and I like pro football, but— Well, I know a lot of Ohioans are, are watching the Super Bowl this, this weekend when this releases. It'll be the Saturday before. Uh, yep. So, uh, are you, uh, like I said, are you a football fan, and do you think the Cincinnati Bengals can win? I do think the Bengals can win. I think, and I want the Bengals to win. Uh, this is it would be good for the Bengals. It would be good for Ohio. It'd be good for Cincinnati. It'd be good for the country, actually. I believe to have a, a team from the Midwest flyover country win the Super Bowl. Someone who hasn't, you know, been there in a long, long time. Nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, and I think they, and I remember that it was cold. You know. I, I remember that uh, the, the playoffs leading up to that were cold games. Um, but uh, I think that it's all about Joe, Joe Burrows. I mean, they've got a great team. Don't get me wrong, but I look at Joe Burrows. I see the way he carries himself as a, as a young quarterback leading that team. He reminds me a lot of Peyton Manning and he could have that kind of career. He just, has the football smarts he seems to be uh you know the kind of of person that'll keep his nose clean he's got family nearby um i just uh you know it, it could end up being a, a really good thing for the bengals uh that they they drafted joe burrows let's just put it that way yeah, i even think he's he's from athens if i remember correctly too yep. so yep. it's just great for the state, and I wanted to bring that up because of obviously how important it is for American culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the last question is just how can Ohioans find out more about you? You've kind of already answered. Uh, get in contact with you, help your campaign, etc. Yeah, they can go to mark the number four Ohio dot com. That's the website. We're at mark. We're at, at mark four Ohio. So that's at mark four the number four Ohio on all social media. We're everywhere, uh, and you can just type in my last name into any search engine, preferably DuckDuckGo, so you don't get tracked, P-U-K-I-T-A, and uh, I'm pretty sure the first entry will be the um, Senate website. So that's how you get a hold of me, or email me, as I said, or call me. Email mark at mark4ohio.com, and my cell phone number is 614 well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate how transparent you are, and I appreciate you coming on today. I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your campaign. Thanks, Josh. I uh, appreciate you having me on, and I wish you the best with your continued podcasting, getting the word out. Uh, we need more younger uh, conservative Republicans. Uh, it, it's it's, it's um, shocking to me how little we do to attract uh, young adults like you. We've got we to get much better at it, and I would hope to, have to help do that. Uh, either from Washington or from Columbus here, Dublin, uh, after the election. Well, thank you, and I I really appreciate your time today. Thanks. God bless. My name is GOP Josh. This has been a special edition of the Conservative Crusader with 
Senate candidate Mark Pukita. He said his website is markthenumber4ohio.com. Check it out. Read his entire policy platform. Get involved with him. And thank you for listening. My name is GOP Josh. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.